Hi, and welcome to Dope Shit My Therapist Says, a therapeutic wellness and lifestyle podcast providing relatable conversations and encourage our listeners to strive for self-growth, self-reflection, and self-love. We are two therapists who just want to keep it real. We provide a safe and honest space for those who need an extra dose of connection with a no-bullshit filter. We're your hosts, Ryan Gaddy and Lauren Factor, and we welcome you to our space. We're so happy to have you here. Now let's get to it. On today's episode, we have Katie Green. For the past 10 years, Katie has been dedicated to pursuing licensure as a clinical psychologist and got right up to the point where she would need to spend three years to earn supervised hours and pass state exams, and then everything shifted. The shift from pursuing licensure to consulting was solidified when she recognized it would result in putting personal goals on pause for a few more years. Katie's education includes bachelor's in human development and psychology, a master's in forensic psychology, and a certification in addiction counseling. Currently, she is earning her society in psychology, working on completing her doctorate program. In addition to Katie's formal education, she has lived with depression since age 11 and was diagnosed autistic at 23. She believes each category of her lived experience is just as impactful as her education. This year, Katie launched Hope Reignited Consulting. Katie serves powerhouse women who are on the go in Southern California, leading their company and community in a selfless way, yet often forget to take time for themselves. Socially, Katie is a moderator for my Facebook community group, Ladies of Los Angeles, and has used her variety of lived experiences to serve love, and inspire others who need specialized peer support for their changing mental health needs. If you love taking care of your mental health, check out our sponsorship with Own Your Stigma to snag a mental health clothing or swag. Use our discount code DOPESHASTERTPOD on their website, www.ownyourstigma.com for 15% off. You can also check out our personalized mental health and Dope Shit My Therapist's podcast sweatshirts on our Instagram at DopeSHTTherapyPod. We hope you enjoyed the episode. All right. Hi, Katie. Hey. Welcome to Dope Shit My Therapist Says. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm really excited about today. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. Um, We probably will mention this in the bio, but Katie is a friend of mine, also one of the lovely moderators, um, the other moderator, because we had Laura on as a guest. So now we have Katie on as a guest of my uh, Facebook group, Ladies of Los Angeles. So it's really great to have her on. And um, we're going to be talking about an interesting topic today. Um, But before we dive into that, we would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I am finishing off a PsyD in psychology. I did launch this year Hope Reignited Consulting. It is a consulting practice that serves women who are powerhouses that are pretty selfless and they are on the go and they need time to pause and recharge themselves There's a little bit more to it in my bio, but I launched this consulting practice because I decided that I want to take my education and package it differently so that I can meet people where they're at. I can serve them in a way that makes sense for how my brain is wired. 
and I can um, have more freedom to empower and train and coach people on how to think about their social support and how to think about their coping and how to just revitalize their life as a young adult. That is where my passion is, and that is what I'm stepping into. That's amazing. And, you know, so traditionally with like a PsyD or like a master's in a psychology program, you know, it's pretty often the path to therapy or counseling. And so it's, it's interesting to see you using it in a different way, but also using the skills to help other people. I walked, I want, I right, I went straight up to the line of when I needed to start collecting hours and decided, you know what? I don't want to put my life on pause for another three or four years as I collect these hours and pass the exams. So since I have my personal life goals that I want to achieve, um, I'm going to take a different route and I'm going to choose life that matches who I am as a person. And I've had much more peace of mind about it. That is really cool. And I think it's good for our listeners to hear about that too, because we have a lot of people who listen who are our therapists or counselors. And I think a lot of us sometimes when we feel that burnout, wonder like what other paths are out there, what else could we be doing? So awesome to hear. Thank you. So tell us a little bit more about how you got into this work, a little bit more, maybe anything that you want to share about Uh, that you feel comfortable sharing about like your upbringing, who you are as a person, growing into adulthood, what that's looked like for you that's led you to this path? Yeah, so I grew up, um, I grew up in a religious home and I grew up in, um, with a, in pretty much in private schools and my passion for learning about people and learning how the world works began super early. Um, and I've always just been fascinated with why people do the things that they do and why they are the way they are and what makes people special. And so I have spent a lot of time figuring out since that is my passion, how can I best make a career out of that? How can I create a life that I don't chase weekends for, that I don't chase vacation time for, that I don't chase um, different types of incentives that corporate world would normally provide? Why can't I just weave what I love into everyday life and into my career? Why is that such a novel concept? That's something that I've been sitting with for a while. So I didn't have a break in education. I went straight through high school, bachelor's, master's, um, did a semester of social work that didn't work out um, just for just for a variety of different reasons. And then transitioned to a master's in forensic psychology because I realized that, hey, people that are in the legal system, people that have criminal issues, the majority of the reason why they've got criminal issues is because of environment problems and because their family dynamics are off or they're behaving in ways that they need to in order to survive, but nobody gives them grace with that. And so 
it's really about trying to find the context for human behavior and trying to see what we can change and how we can make positive differences so that people don't repeat the same mistakes. They're not thrown right back into the environment that made them sick. And um, that's, that's kind of the trajectory that set me on this road. I was actually just telling Lauren earlier about an article I read this week from The Guardian about from a psychologist um, saying essentially that everything we've been taught as quote unquote social workers has been wrong and that our environment currently is the contributing factor to why mental health you know, struggles is such on a rise and that therapy is not actually the answer. It's, you know, doing advocacy and changing the environment we live in so that we can thrive in a healthier way. And that right. sounds like a lot, like what the kind of your goal is, is to find ways to help people's environment change so that their behavior can match the way they want to live versus the way they're currently living. Exactly. And helping people's words match their actions and helping people figure out how to change their environment, what conversations need to happen with friends, family members, partners that help them heal and that help them move towards healing. And um, it's never an overnight process, but once a person goes through healing and therapy and they have these difficult conversations with the people they need to talk to, if the people that they need to talk to aren't willing or able to make any changes, then they have to go back to the drawing board and recreate what their support network looks like. And that is where I pick up with people. At that, at that point is where I would pick up with people. And, it's, and I'm more focused on the different social aspects that go into mental health and addiction recovery because it's always necessary to have professional therapy and professional help just as much as it's necessary to create a support system where you feel loved, seen, heard, and respected. Absolutely. And Katie is one of the nicest people I know, and she is a cheerleader for everyone. And your energy is so important and necessary and, you know, thank you like in advance just for all, all of the support and love that you've given to everyone that you know, but also to me and even to this podcast. Like I really, uh, I know we both appreciate it very much. Thank you, Lauren. What has been some of the greatest challenges that you've faced with the work that you do or even prior to figuring out this is what you wanted to do? I think one of the hardest challenges is having socially acceptable coping. And um, what I mean by that is I was going through the hardest period of my life in high school, but externally, I was packing every hour of my day. I had speech and debate team. I had swim team. And I had youth group twice a week that I would go to. So I did that. Plus I would do the maximum amount of credits so that I would have busyness so that I would not be stuck in my head. 
so that I would have people and places and things to do. And I would not be stuck in my head and I would not have to deal with emotions that I was not prepared or equipped to handle correctly. Um, So to the rest of the world, to teachers, to coaches, to family, I looked like I had it all together. I looked like I was doing a lot of extracurricular activities. Colleges would accept me. Colleges would be really enthusiastic to um, accept me because I've done so many different categories of things. But what was the reason behind it? The reason was I was trying to quiet the noise in my head. And it was very convenient that I did so in a productive way. I did not use drugs. I did not do anything that was um, uh, that would have gotten me in any kind of legal trouble, but the suffering was just as real. This turned into everybody expecting perfect all the time to everybody expecting me to be at 110% to interrogation when I'm not an energizer bunny for the entire world. Um, And this also led to people just thinking that I can handle all of their issues as well when I am trying to keep afloat mentally myself, but of course it doesn't look like it. So those are some of the behind the scenes um, challenges that I've had while having what the world calls high functioning depression. Thank you for sharing that, um, Katie. It actually really makes me think of a lot of the clients that I work with who are all high school students and sound very similar to how you were in high school, which is having tons of high level academics and sports and volunteer work and extra activities. And, you know, then coming to see me and talking about all of that and utilizing all that as a way to control and keep their depression and anxiety from taking over. But I'm guessing like you probably will say is it doesn't help. It just makes things worse in some ways, but it's like you said, acceptable by society to be overly productive and successful and academically achieving versus the kids in high school who are smoking weed and drinking and partying. Right. And also to that end, um, it's also kind of you're put in a category of high performing And once you're in a category of high performing, at least in most academic settings, it is very hard for people to believe that you actually need help. And it is very hard for people to grasp that your suffering is just as real as somebody who sleeps most of the day. Um, I would be getting ready for swim practice and my whole body would feel like it's 800 pounds because that was how that was how significant my thoughts were but i was putting on my swim cap i was getting ready to go i was coordinating the relays and stuff like that so but externally i looked fine and it was just um it was a bit of an uphill battle because i had to work very hard to get my high school to have some kind of accommodation in senior year 
for me because I went through um I went through such a depressive episode that when I was not at school or doing one of my activities, I was in bed. I was sleeping. And I was, I had kind of corrective compulsions. Go to the bathroom, wash my face so that it would not look like I just walked out of a crying episode. Um, so that I would not be able to handle the onslaught of questions that I didn't have answers for. I didn't even know what I needed, but I knew that I was going to be greeted with many questions if I was anything less than smiling bubbly. So my compassion for people who have any sort of chronic illness, whether it be mental or physical, is through the roof because um, it comes in waves and they, some days are harder than others. But people need different types of help and people need to be heard when they reach out the first time. Absolutely. And I can only imagine how hard it was for you in high school. And back then, you know, even though it wasn't that long ago, just coping strategies were not discussed and mental health was still not readily available at high schools, like the job I used to have, the job yeah. Ryan has. I mean, I'm assuming most high schools did have counseling, but no one talked about it. I didn't even know where the counselor was on campus. So yeah. times have definitely changed. Back then, did you have anything that you would consider a coping strategy other than, you know, sleep being, you know, yeah. a positive and a negative coping strategy all in one? Yeah. Yeah, sleep doubled as avoidance for me, for sure. But swim was very great for my endorphins, for protecting my sleep. Um, swim team, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, pretty much took away my insomnia because I would be able to fall asleep a lot quicker due to I just worked out for three and a half hours. I'm exhausted. That would exhaust anybody. And um, when I was in speech and debate in junior year of high school is when I realized, hey, if I pair my story with statistics and research and psychology, and then I put it in front of people with power to make changes, they might actually listen to me. That was a huge light bulb moment that like set me up for the rest of my career because now I know and I can confidently say that my lived experience and my education are just as valuable and they make just as big of an impact. What do you yeah. think the key is for, you know, especially parents and educators and companies even to help people with high functioning depression, because you're right. Once people see what you're capable of, their ability to, you know, comprehend the fact that you're struggling is so much, you know, it's, I can, I see it in my clients all the time. Their parents yeah. are telling them, well, why are you dropping a class or why are you dropping a sport or why are you doing this? And it's because I'm trying to help them take stuff off of their plate so that they can actually focus on taking care of themselves in a different manner yet yeah. their families are like well 
why you've always been able to do it before it's not going to look good if you stop doing this right um I think the best way to describe this is to compare depression to a chronic pain condition like um like fibromyalgia or like arthritis or any sort of chronic health condition that once in a while there's flare-ups and it's not difficult every day, but there are some days where you need extra support or there are some seasons of life where you're needing extra support. And um, what the extra support looked like for me specifically and for a few other people that I've talked to are things like implementing and sticking to a bedtime, eating on schedule because sometimes we're too busy to eat or because either we're too busy to eat or we eat consistently or we eat instead of voicing our truth or we eat to avoid certain emotions. So just having a eating and sleeping schedule would be huge benefits. Um, And also trying to use a word other than fine. (laughs) When somebody asks you, how are you? And trying to use something that's different than one syllable, something that's a little off the beaten path and a little bit not as reflexive. Like it's even it's even great to say things like I'm a little mentally weary or I'm tired or I'm not okay right now, but I will be, or I'm not okay at the moment and I need some time to figure out what I need, or I'm not okay and this is what I need. Any of those responses would be great. Um, But as far as helping other people understand, people like the individuals with chronic pain conditions, they have flare-ups. People with gastrointestinal issues, they have flare-ups. How is depression, how is anything related to mental health any different than the physical conditions that everyone is so ready and able to give grace for? But when it's in the head, it's a little bit different because there's not as many external signs of it unless you're in the person's close circle and you notice day-to-day little differences. You're absolutely right. I was talking to one of my clients this week who hasn't been taking medication and I was like, if you had, you know, an injury and you had to take medication or you had a headache and you needed to take Advil, you'd take it. So why aren't you taking your medication to help with your mental health issue? And right. of course, it's one of those like, oh, you're so right. But again, I mean, we've we've harped on this so much, but of course, like being in the mental health field, it just yeah. I think it always just kind of brings us back to reality of the fact that mental health is still just in that taboo stigmatized state and it's getting better. It's the best it's probably ever been in ever in in life, but it's just so hard for people to, you know, be able to give that grace and compassion unless you find it in you to have the language to share more of how you're feeling and be vulnerable enough to share it in the first place which is something right. I, I had to do yesterday to my kickball team. I, I was going through a very bad depressive episode yesterday, which is new for me and very rare. And I yeah. had to verbalize that I was not okay. And right. 
you know, luckily I feel very comfortable because they're all my friends, but I was at a breaking point where I was like, I can't even like physically move. Like I was almost um, just like frozen. And luckily, you know, I've been able to feel comfortable enough to say like, I'm not okay. Like I'm not fine. I'm really stressed and overwhelmed. And you knew, cause I told you too, like yeah. how, how I've been feeling. I mean, it's, it's all, you know, valid, but yeah, it's, it's a battle for sure. Yeah. I think that, um, being in a leadership position and having, uh, and having lived experience with depression is really a special position because there's opportunity for compassion there's opportunity to model and to live out loud. Like, I know I'm struggling today. I'm giving myself grace. Here's what I'm doing to give myself grace. I am creating a routine because I'm going through a lot of change and this is what I need. And just kind of be matter of fact about it. And just kind of say like, if I had a broken leg, I would switch from a cast to a brace. And some days you need a cast and some days you need a brace and it's going to be okay either way because we have people that believe in us and we have people that love us and we have open communication with our care team that includes counselors, that includes psychiatrists. If people want to go down that that path with medication, totally up to them. But whatever that looks like, it's so important that there's supportive people that are included in the care plan because your issues don't disappear when you walk out of an office. They, they have to be, they've got to be cared for both in an office treatment setting and outside of a treatment setting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you were also talking too about just the piece of it where it's invalidating yourself. And like, you know, for you, you were continuing to push through all your activities and show up and act like everything was fine. But like that piece of it, I know specifically for me that with my depression, half the time I'm invalidating my own stuff. Like, oh, it's not that bad. Or, you know, I need to just keep going on and keep pushing on and keep doing things because really and truly like other people have it worse. And that invalidation, I think, takes away from your own experience and can make it worse overall because then you don't reach out to other people because you're like, I'm just being silly or this is just not as bad as I think it is, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I, that's very, very interesting that um, plays into imposter syndrome quite a bit, which is something that many people, many high achieving individuals um, deal with. And imposter syndrome is very real. It says things like, uh, you don't deserve this, or who do you think you are, or you don't know enough to speak on this. Um, And that usually comes right before something great is about to happen. And that usually comes when there's a learning experience that is about to take place. And um, it's, if if we approach it from that perspective, it's a little easier to digest. It's a little easier to manage. But um, 
Yeah, so much, even though I know that thoughts like that have come up in my, in my mind that other people have it worse. And I just know that uh, I, I know for a fact that sure, many, many people have it way worse, but this is still difficult for me. And what's difficult for me is easy for somebody else. And that's okay. And what's easy for me is difficult for somebody else. And we're kind of in the middle of this. And um, yeah, it's it's just something that is as individual as a thumbprint. It really is. What other people can handle is their thumbprint. And what we can handle is our thumbprint. And we can't compare the two. So true. And even though I preach this to my clients, I yeah. still, it still seeps through into my life. And it's just something that, you know, we all have to continue to work on that. There's no reason to invalidate your own experience at the expense of someone else's because they're different and yeah. everyone can handle things differently. And it's just so much better to be able to vocalize how you're doing, that you mm -hmm. need support, that you need the help rather than hold on to it, because that's going to create so many more issues for you, not just mentally, but physically. You know, I could feel the oh, tenseness yeah. in my body yesterday before I was able to share how I was feeling and before crying on and off all day. But I woke yeah. up today. I'm in I'm a different person. Like I'm I'm back to who I usually am. I feel much clearer. And I feel like that's because I was able to validate my experience in that moment. And I felt it also in return validated to me, which is important too, which is why you need a support system. Part of the social, part of the, I should say, the biggest reason for me growing into being able to use my lived experience to help others is because I was diagnosed autistic at 23 and um, I spent so much of my childhood and adolescence thinking that I was weird, thinking that I was defective, thinking that I didn't belong, thinking that I was a problem, thinking that I was just in everyone's way all the time. And I didn't understand how my brain worked. And had I understood how my brain worked way earlier, I would have been much more gracious with myself. And I know that generally speaking, Women are diagnosed far later than men for autism and ADHD. So I really want to, I really want to help other women who are younger or older or wherever um, know that regardless of how our brains work, we're not broken people. And regardless of how our brains work, we are lovable and the people around us that don't see that do not need to be in our support circle. And they do not need to have power to speak anything over our lives um, because we are lovable as we are. And there's no, um, there's no reason to try to fit 
into a box that we do not belong in. It is a different, it is a different way that the brain is wired. And my diagnosis with autism is a apart from apart from my sensory issues, it is the biggest superpower I have. So and I firmly believe in that. That's a hill I'm gonna die on for sure. Uh, but I want to tell everyone that they are lovable, that they are loved, and that they deserve to be around people who they do not need to hide themselves from. They don't need to hide themselves out of fear. They don't need to hide themselves out of um, social conditioning. They just, everyone deserves people to feel loved and feel safe and feel heard around, regardless of who they are. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's such a positive and truthful statement that you shared with us, Katie. I think so many people feel that they don't fit in because of their diagnoses, whether it's autism, ADHD. Right. There's just so many things that make us feel like we're broken, but you know, that piece of it, that it's your superpower, like our, our struggles also give us some amazing insights into other people, into empathy, right. into how, what it means to be human. Um, and so, you know, not hating the struggles you have, but utilizing them for good, just like you're doing is really important. Yeah. And giving, giving people um, space to show up as they are and letting them know, like, We'll get through it together. It might stink in the meantime, but we're going to see each other out the other side of this for sure. And when we do, it's going to be a wonderful thing. Originally, we were going to kind of dive into some other topics, but, you know, Ryan and I both decided that we want to end this episode here. And, you know, would love to have you back on in the future, but we don't, we don't want we don't want there to be any more because you kind of wrapped it all up and said everything you needed to say. And this is going to resonate so hard with so many people. You have me almost in tears. Actually, I'm now in tears. Sometimes I get emotional on the podcast, but yeah, just like I had a client yesterday who kind of, he was kind of talking about how he doesn't, he feels unlovable. Like that is what we were talking about. And like was just in so much pain. And so yeah. hearing your words today, it's just just reminiscent of that moment yesterday, which was right before yeah. I broke down, right after that right. client is like when I broke down. Right. And, you know, it's just not enough people get to hear the positive sentiments that you just described before and I just think that more people need to hear that yeah our brain the the way that our brains are different don't make us unlovable we're lovable completely as we are well thank you Katie so much for coming on and sharing your lived experience your expertise with your education Lauren's right like it is going to resonate with a lot of people I think even just hearing other people talk about high school and how hard it was but how it didn't look hard for other on the outside is is a huge you know it resonates with me I know it would resonate with so many of my clients if they listen to this hopefully they don't because they're teenagers 
but you know, we're really happy to have you on Lauren and I will definitely want you back because we know that you have such a lot to share for our listeners and we'd love to have you back on again, but so far, like how can our listeners find you, connect with you, work with you, please share. Yeah. So I am on, I'm on Facebook. My name is Katie Green and my, um, my Instagram handle is at redesigned underscore mind. And um, yeah, there will be more information coming up. Thank you so much for being on everyone. Go give Katie a follow or, you know, find her on Facebook. If this episode resonated with you, please share it amongst your friends and comment, rate, subscribe to the podcast. Um, We really appreciate it. And thank you again, Katie. My pleasure. Um, For everyone that's listening, you're loved. And I believe in you, even though I don't know you, but I believe in you and stay safe and healthy. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you feel called to rate and review and share with the people in your life you think would like us too. For more info on this episode, check out the show notes. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at dopeshttherapypod and via email at dopeshttherapypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and check back soon for more episodes.